Well, it's good to see everyone today on this fine and beautiful day, I might add. You know, the Lord is, is really good, and um, I'm just so thankful the heat finally broke. Man, we got these, like, terrible storms the other night, when it, the last day. Of the, I don't know if anybody else got them. They were horrendous. We, we woke up at 1230 at night, and we were like, what is going on outside? Um, thank the Lord, though, we got a, a nice week of, uh, of, of cooler weather, which is good. So as you see by the screen, let's dive into the Word today. Um, last week, we started a brand new series, The Valley of the Giants. And I know it would be fitting, since this is Fantasy Football Day, we are not talking about the New York Giants. I'm sure that some Eagles fans here would love, even Cowboys fans, would like to know how to conquer the New York Giants. My personal opinion, no offense, I don't think that's going to be too hard this year. Um, if there is any Giants fans out there, I'm sorry. It's not nothing personal, I just... Anyway, no, it's not those giants. Uh, no, we are looking at the, the famous historical account of Goliath versus David. Mentioned many, many times. And it's very interesting. Many people, if, you, if they don't know the scriptures, know this story about Goliath versus David. And it's used all the time in analogies, especially analogies of the underdog. And if you do know the, know the, uh, the history of it, David was a massive underdog. There was no one betting on David uh, that day. Uh, last week, Pastor Jim uh, noted that, as the series shows, that Goliath was not the only giant that David faced leading up to the battle. There were other hurdles, giants, if you will, that were not that didn't look like Goliath, but they were just as destructive, just as deadly, can mess people up that on the way. Last week, this is what Pastor Jim shared on the first giant was bitterness, and what the, just a quick recap: David was the youngest of like seven, eight kids. And they didn't think much of him at all, like, really. Like, the prophet, if you don't know the story, the prophet Samuel came to this man Jesse and said, listen, God has called one of your sons to be the next king of Israel. And Jesse's like, hey, yeah, awesome, come to a feast. So they don't even invite David to the feast. His dad doesn't even think, like, well, it ain't David. So David just take care of the sheep. Like, how terrible is that? We know David was called. And then later on, when David is hearing Goliath, he begins to ask people about the challenge and about the reward and what the reward by the king was. The king said anybody who beats Goliath will be exempt from taxes. I think we'd all kind of like that. And marry the king's daughter. I mean, eh, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, but um, so David's response to that first giant was this. He chose to walk away. Because he could have let bitterness just destroy him. He could have hated his family. But we saw from the, the account, he walked away from his brother when they were questioned. Because they're like, what are you doing? David's like, what I do? And he just kind of walked away and kept doing his thing. Um, this week, we take a look at the second giant David faces before King Saul. So we saw David did not let bitterness get him down last week. And David... His questions get to King Saul, and King Saul's like, David, well, bring him before me. So a little, little background real quick on King Saul if you don't know who he is. King Saul is the first king of the nation of Israel. What happened was Israel before this had what was called a theocracy. They had actual human leaders and stuff, but God was their king. One day they got fed up with that and said, well, we want a human king. So God anointed this man Saul, who was a humble man at first, loved God. But over time, sadly, as God gave him victory, he became proud. And while he never actually set up worship of himself, he pretty much became his own God. And because of that, God rejected him because he refused to obey God and give up the throne. And Israel began to suffer for it, which led to the battle with uh, the Philistines and Goliath. 
And so – and the interesting thing it should be noted is at this point when we, we look at David before Saul, Saul didn't know yet that God had anointed David the next king. So that, that's a side note because like, you'd be thinking like why is he even talking to this guy? No, he didn't even know about that. Um, and so a background on the challenge real quick was Goliath – who the, who the scriptures teach was about nine feet tall, had like heavy, heavy armor, covered head to toe, had a guy walking before him with a shield, like fierce, fierce man, heavy sword, all this kind of stuff. He basically, in a nutshell, said this to the army. He said, look, why should we have a huge battle? Let's just make it simple. Send a guy out and I'll fight him. Winner of the battle wins the day. Simple, easy enough. But the problem was no one from Israel wanted to fight Goliath, as as you can imagine, I don't I don't think um, I would be signing up to do that. But as David goes between Saul, he faces the next giant, which is inferiority. And we are going to see that David's response to this giant was simply to trust in God's help. Seeing, here's the key: in trusting God, David saw who he was through God's eyes. That's the key. Let me, let me repeat that. He defeats this giant by trusting in God's help, by seeing who he is through God's eyes, not through King Saul's eyes. So, with that in mind, we need to turn. There we go. To 1 Samuel chapter 17. Grab your Bibles. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to be looking at verse 32. We're just, this, this is gonna, the story is, if you were here last week, we ended right up to where David was talking with his brother and he walked away. Now, in verse 32, we're going to pick up where King Saul has called for, um, called for David, because he got wind that he was asking these questions about the reward and everything, and Saul's like, I gotta talk to this kid, what's this all about? So, in 1 Samuel, and I apologize, sometimes I rush too much, let's pause and let's pray. Before we go to the word of God, can we do that? Father God, we um, always, before we go to your word, we thank you for it, Lord. Would you please just teach us so that we can grow in you. The goal here, Jesus, is to love you more, to serve you more, to advance your kingdom, not our own. Please do that. Use me this morning, Lord Jesus, and help me to be open to you. Amen. All right. So this is the king speaking to David. Verse 32. Oh, David says, I'm sorry. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. So at this point, I think Saul is thinking this is the worst of the worst. It's gotten to this. Saul's hoping one of his mighty warriors would have stepped forward at this point. And, and we're, as far as we're told... Or not really told, Saul's own sons didn't even step forward to fight the Philistine. I mean, a possible theory is, you know, maybe Saul didn't want them to fight. Maybe they didn't want to marry their sister. I don't know. What well, you know, maybe that could have had something to do with it. But we, but as far as we know, they didn't. Um, they didn't step forward. The last person in the world Saul is thinking is going to fight the. Saul's probably even thinking. I guess I'm going to even. He might have been thinking. I should say I'm probably going to have to do it. But there's this teenager. I don't know. Some people speculate that David was about 15. We just don't know. The, the scriptures don't teach us. But we'll just say he's about 15, just for, for, for about that age. And he's a shepherd. No battle experience. No nothing. And he's like, yep, I got this. 
So I, I wish I could have, could have seen Saul's face when David was brought before him. So let's break down Saul's response to David real quick. Okay, first thing, don't be ridiculous. So if you're, so I think we all know the word ridiculous has some strong connotations, right? When you're saying something is ridiculous, you're kind of saying it's silly, maybe dumb. It's just, it's just out of the ballpark. What are you kind of thinking? Are you insane? So like, this is a strong word right here. Don't be ridiculous. The second thing, there's no way you can fight this Philistine. He even says it and possibly win. This is the percentage of the chance Saul gave David. Zero. Like, like if he's going to, to Vegas, he's not putting money down on David. He's putting it on Goliath. Um, you're just a boy. Judging on physical appearances alone. Now, here's the thing. In one way or another, one way or another, you and I have faced this giant or will face this giant at some point. And it is one of the greatest tools of the enemy. I mentioned that, mentioned him earlier, but if you don't know, and it's very real. There is a real devil. He's not, but he doesn't look. I, I almost guarantee you, he doesn't have a pitchfork. He doesn't have a pointed. T- no, he probably looks. We can't even. Be, he he he's not going to show up looking like that. If he did, he's going to show up looking good, like an angel of light. But he's real. His name is Satan, meaning deceiver, and he is the enemy of God. Now, I want to clarify something about Satan, real quick. There's not a cosmic battle, meaning like we don't know who's going to win. No, the battle's been won. God is only allowing Satan for a time to continue. But the point is Satan hates you and I. That's what I want to get at. He hates you and I. And he knows that we are the prized creation to God. He wants us in hell. And if he can't take us there, he wants us the most unproductive if possibly. And inferiority is the way he, one of his tools. He wants you and I to think we are not worthy. He wants you and I to say, no, I can't. He wants you and I to say, God made a mistake. He wants that more than anything. He wants to, wants us to say like, well, I, even I can't do it, Lord. I'm just, I'm too busy. I, I can't, I can't. I've got too much on my plate. I'm possibly not, not the, not the man or, or the woman for this. This giant, do you know how many people never reach their potential because of this giant? Countless. Listen, I've given into it before. No, don't don't act like I'm not gonna act like I've never failed at this. I have. Listen, we've all faced this giant, and if you haven't, that's great. But you're going to, and if you're following Jesus, this giant keeps many from from fulfilling their calling. Many from doing it, either because we just believe what other people tell us about ourselves, or we listen to our own thoughts. And believe me, those thoughts that you, even if no one said this to you, the thoughts in your mind that are like, I can't do this, they're from the evil one. Just for the record, they're from the evil one. Now, I want to break this down to you real quick. Are we all unworthy? Let's get this all out of the way. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not, nah, that'd be terrible if I ended the sermon there. No, we, but we are, but here's the way. Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned, we've all missed the mark, we've all rebelled against God, even in the small ways. So we are, according to God's standards, not our own, unworthy to serve God. We're not worthy to go to heaven, to, to live for eternity. Our first parents were created good, without evil. They rebelled, and now we all have a sinful nature that rebels against God. So that is the truth, but it doesn't end there. We deserve death. But here's the simple answer. It's a very simple answer, but despite that, God loves us. 
Can we understand that? I, w- I need you to understand that it's a very simple answer, and it's hard. I know you're hearing me this morning, but for some of you, it's not so simple to just for me to say that. But I want to go on. You, this morning, and I'm saying you and I include whoever, to you, each of you individually, think about yourself for this one second. You, yes, you are God's prized creation. Prized creation. I am serious. I want you to think for a second, if, if for those of you who have children, I want you to think for a second when your child was a baby. And then the, then they're and then and then they're they're in your arms. And then, you know, they're growing up. You're having fun, hopefully you're having fun with them as as, as they're growing up. Um, and then even as adults, and, and even when you give them a hug, my question to you, just, just think hold on to that thought for a second for your child. That is the thought that got that's the feeling. Part, like I said, we'll never fully understand it, but that's, that's how God feels about us, or as close as we can understand it. That feeling when you're holding your child in your arms, would we not die for our children so they could go to heaven? If, if we found out that, if God said, listen, I'll guarantee you, your kid's going to be saved if you die right now. Which one of us wouldn't die for our kids to guarantee that? I hope we would all say yes. But that is what God did. But God... Even though we weren't the most qualified, even though we're unworthy, sent his son to die for you and me. But God gives you the ability, the strength, the power to do whatever he's called you to do. And to live for in daily life, for, to get through everything. But God wants you, yes, he wants you to fulfill his plan, his purpose. And no, I'm telling you this morning, you might be sitting here this morning and that, and that, that, that thought's going through your mind. It's a mistake, it's a mistake. No, it's not a mistake. Please understand, it's not a mistake this morning. It's not a mistake. God wants you. Yes, you. If you know God has called you, if you sense the tugging of the Holy Spirit, it's not a mistake. It's you. Oh, sorry. Here's the, the net verse I want to show you. Romans 8, 31b-34. We read part of this this morning. It says, Who will then condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Listen, if you're struggling today with this inferiority thing, you need to write that verse down. I'm serious. Grab a pen, cell phone, I don't care. And I, I mean, I'm not, I, like I said, just grab something, write this verse down, Romans 8, 31 through 34. Write that down and you read that verse. And I'm not kidding. If you, every time you get that, that, that inferiority, you look at that verse. You look at that verse. It does not matter what others think. I know it's hard. Believe me, I'm with you. I'd be lying if I said I, I don't think about what others think. I do, believe me. Oh. But if God has called you, you can do it because of him. And this is the confidence that David went before Saul with. With um, If you still have your Bibles open with 2 Samuel 17... We're looking at 34. Now, this is David's response to Saul. We saw what Saul said. Here's how David's... But David persisted. 
I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. And he's being serious. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do this to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. So here's his response to Saul. So David's response to Saul, yeah, it's true. I'm not a warrior. I take care of my father's sheep and goats. I'm not a soldier. You're right. I'm a shepherd. But listen, I may not be a warrior, but I'm not joking, King Saul. I've killed lions and bears to protect them. Can you imagine that? I can't even fathom that. Anybody ready to take the challenge? You know, go over the lion and bear challenge. No tigers, just the lions and bears. You know, oh my, yeah, I just got to say it, got to say it, man. How could you not? Thank you, Wizard of Oz. Um, oh gosh, that statement will go down in history till, till Jesus comes back. Um, but, but for real, he's like, but no, I haven't fought in battles, but I've killed vicious wild animals, caught them with my mouth. And I'm not joking, I've done that. And here's the cool thing. I will do this to Goliath. Because the Lord gave me victory, it paraphrases in these way, but he's like, the Lord gave me victory with those bears and lions. He recognized he didn't defeat the, he didn't protect his flock on his own. The Lord gave him victory before, and he will give me victory again. Because listen, Pastor Jim talked about this last week. When Goliath came out, he wasn't just issuing a challenge. Goliath literally says, I defy your God paraphrase to today, people might not say it that way. They might be like, your God stinks. Your God's nothing. That's the way people would probably say it today. Your God's nothing. Spit at your God. That's what Goliath literally said to Israel. And David knew in his heart. He sensed the power of God. He sensed God was doing something. David's trust was completely in God. Listen, the Bible doesn't tell us, so I'm not, I don't want to, like, Assume, assume, but my belief is, this is just my, my opinion, I believe that David knew this was a call of God. I believe it. Just from his language, his passion, I believe David knew in his heart of hearts he was supposed to do this. He sensed the leading of the Lord. And that must be our, our response to inferiority, trust the Lord. Now here's where we get into a little bit of application. Because this is a, it's a simple statement that we say all the time at church, and we teach it. And the Bible talks about it a ton. Trust the Lord. And we know, let's be real, this is not an easy thing to do. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it is scary. It is very scary. I mean, it's not maybe as scary as in other countries where people are literally risking their lives trusting the Lord. Thank the Lord we still live in freedom today. But it's a very scary thing. Especially when you're facing this giant Because here's why. When you face this giant, here's what keeps you down. You keep looking at yourself. Mm -hmm. You keep looking at yourself, yourself, yourself. Here's why I can't. X, Y, and Z. 
and we can't, we stop looking at Jesus. Like, it's like, well, I know God's able to do it, but I can't. As if, uh, I, I don't, I didn't write this passage down, but I'm reminded of, of when Moses, if you don't know, don't know, when God called his servant Moses to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, Moses said no. Did you know that? Moses said no to God. The burning bush, the burning bush is right, the presence of God. And Moses literally says, no, I can't talk. I stink at speaking. And God's like, he doesn't say that, he doesn't say it this way, but it's kind of like, are you kidding me? Who makes people's mouths? Who creates, who creates every part of you? It's me. You don't think I'm able to all of a sudden snap my fingers and make you a good public speaker? Like, it doesn't say it like that, but that is, but that is paraphrase what God said to, to Moses. And, and the, the funny thing is, is Moses actually still refuses, just as a side note, and God gets mad. God says, all right, fine. Your brother Aaron's, what he did is your brother Aaron's coming. I'll let him speak to you. And so there was kind of this interesting relationship where Aaron kind of, did, we all, the Ten Commandments, we've seen that movie. Moses is before uh, speaking to Pharaoh. Actually, the truth is, Aaron, act, Moses was there, but he was kind of like standing in the back. And, Mo, and Aaron went up to Pharaoh and spoke the messages from God. It's interesting. Moses would tell Aaron what to say. Interesting. But like, yeah, like Moses missed out on a little bit of something there because, I mean, God still did great things through his life. But we need to get to the point where we're not looking at ourselves and looking at ourselves through the lens of God's eyes. Now, to get to this point, of course, we need to stop looking at ourselves. Got to stop looking at the opinions of others and look at only what God is able to do. How do we get to this point? Well, let's look at what David did. David got to this point. Let's look at some verses. Psalm 27, 8. This is David talking. My heart has heard you, God, say, come and talk with me. And my, aunt, my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. David, first thing he did, responded to the call of God. Not the call to go overseas. The call to say, hey, come in your private bedroom and just talk with me. Can you just do that? Can we take 10, 15 minutes, David? I, I really I love you. I almost want to spend some time with you privately. He responded to the private call of God. See, we always think the calling of God is what I'm doing up here or the missionaries that come. Mm-mm, look at that. And, and I'm just going to let you guys in on this. This call is to every human being, every follower of Christ. Psalm 27.4, going up a few verses. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in the temple. Okay, need to clarify, I am not saying you need to all move to church and we all need to live together. That's not the application here. Okay, so you might be like, are you serious? It's not enough room. Can you imagine? Imagine all of us. I don't know how many people. There's like 50-some people. All we had to live together in this building. No. Um, but what David was saying right here, man, I, I want to be with, in the Lord's house. I want to be with the Lord's people. And that's us. See, the building, see, there, used, there was the physical temple in the day, but when Jesus came, everything changed, and God's presence was available to everyone. So, we, the, so Paul the Apostle teaches we are the Holy Spirit's temple now. Us, our physical bodies, not this building that we're in now. When we say fill this place, we really should be fill our hearts, Lord, with the Holy Spirit. And David is like, I need to be here. And I'm, I'm going to be real with you guys. I love you guys. But like, this is, David wasn't like, well, when it's convenient for me or every, every once a month or, no, this was, this was all the time. He's like, I need to be in the house of the Lord. 
It's important because he knew that his strength came from being with other people. That he knew that he had a part to play. See, the church, the church, we all have a part to play. God has given us all a role to play. And when we're not here on a regular basis, we are not fulfilling our, God, our, our calling in whatever role we're supposed to be used in the church. Third thing, David says, I lie awake, oh, I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. His thought life. David allowed God to change his thought life. He's like, Lord, I just want to think about you. And it's hard. Believe me, this is a hard thing. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's discipline. We, we love that word. I hate that word, honestly. But um, it's a hard thing. Disciplining your mind. Taking moments to say, like, okay, let me breathe. Let me think about that, that word, what I read in the Bible today. Or let me think about what Pastor Jim uh, shared this week at church. Or let me just, just meditate on the word this week. Whatever. Whether it applies to your situation at all or not, just getting that, that thought process. And here's what I'm getting at, all right? David's heart longed to be with God. David craved his time with God. David disciplined himself to even just make sure he was thinking about God at night. And the simple invitation, the simple calling to spend time with him. Was David busy? Listen, I wasn't wasn't in David's shoes, but from what I understand of shepherding, it was a full-time job. David wasn't in high school. I'm not really sure exactly what his education system was like, if he had one. But the deal was, it was a full-time job. You were living with your flock. It was busy. That's a, it, taking care of animals is a lot. And my point being is that, but he still made sure, he sacrificed. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he made sure that like someone was watching the sheep at times. But somehow he sacrificed, and he said, I need to respond to that call. To get to know his Lord. To love on his Lord and let God love him back. To learn to know his voice. Listen, you're never going to learn to know the voice of God or when God is speaking to you if you never, or I shouldn't even say never, but if you don't regularly spend time with him, if you don't regularly come to church. He knew God had enabled him. And listen, my purpose here, I just want to say, I love you guys. My, I don't, I, it's hard for me to we'll talk because I don't want to make anybody feel bad because we are all busy. I am busy. And I sacrifice too. I, don't, I want you guys to know in my own private life with Jesus, it's not always easy for me. Are there days where I miss reading my Bible? I will confess, yes, there are sometimes. And, and I feel that. But I have to sometimes, especially being a parent to Dylan now, and I'm getting it more what it's like to be a parent, there's times where I have to be like, honey, I, I got to go read my Bible. You know, I, I haven't read it today. Or I, I, I got to pray, I got to talk to God. Because he, here's what I want, to, and I'm talking to the believers, the followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this statement is not for you. But if you are a follower of Jesus, this statement is for you. And w- once again, this is all. This is related to the inferior beating this giant. If you today call yourself a Christian and you say, "Yes, Jesus is the Son of God," that you would say to me, "Yes, Pastor Bob, Jesus has risen from the dead," and I believe that with all my heart, then then why? Do we allow the busyness of life to keep us from him? I know we are all busy. I understand that I am with you. I'm one of you. I get that. But God pro- he promises, Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, you put me first. Jesus is like, I am not something to be added to your life of list of stuff to do. I am to be your life. I am everything. You put me first. You live righteously and surrender to me. I'll make sure that all these things that you and the key word is need will get done. That we need. 
See, we're, oh, does God want us to take care of our family? Yes, please, please hear me. And I get it. Listen, some people have to work on Sundays. I need to throw that at you. I get that. No, no, that's a real deal thing. We, we, some people work. Got to, got to pay the bills. No, no, we get that. God gets that. There, there's real reasons sometimes why maybe we can't be here. Maybe we're taking care of a loved one or something big is coming up. We miss a couple weeks here. But the thing is, is that, but beyond the, the things that are necessity, sometimes we add so much into our lives and the lives of our kids that it's not that oh, we just miss church or we're missing our Bible study for maybe a couple weeks here. We're missing it regularly and we're getting to church when we can and it's months of it. And I'm going to be honest with you, church. I love you guys, but that's not good. Because you will never grow to the person. I'm not saying that you're not saved. No, no, that's, that's, that's between you and the Lord. But what I'm saying is you will never, ever grow to the potential that God has for you if you lack in these areas, if we're not reading his word every day, if we're not seeking him, praying to him, thanking him, even taking even just a couple minutes of just silence and saying, Jesus, talk to me, if, if you will, Lord, please, if you have something for me. And, and it doesn't have to be long. Even if it's you're just sacrificing 15 minutes to do it, but you're saying, it, but if you're saying, this is my time with Jesus, this is the 15 minutes that I've got, I'm making sure I'm sticking to it. And you do that. Believe me, that is a huge deal. Jesus must be your life, not part of it. And that's what God was to David. David loved God very much. He was in tune with the Lord. Listen, I understand that what I'm saying could be intimidating because it's, it's, it's a challenge. But please, can I encourage you this morning by saying, just like anything we do in life, think of something that you've learned, your trade. It could be a sport. I don't care what it is. But think about that thing that you know pretty good now. You didn't just get to that, to, to being good at it like this. It was discipline. It was learning. It's the same thing with Jesus. We're going to have bumps along the way. We are. I'd be lying to you if I said that I didn't mess up still. I do. But the point is getting back on the horse and pushing forward. And it gets, it, the more you do it, it gets easier. And it gets easier to say yes and stick to all of that. And like I said, I'm not trying, I want to just encourage you, I'm not trying to get you to be religious. No. This is if you love Jesus. If you love Jesus, this is about cultivating a relationship. And it's hard because we don't physically see God. We, we, but he still speaks to us. Listen, when we get to this point, we are able to fight the giant of inferiority. And by telling that giant, you're lying. You're lying. I can do it because of him. He sees value in me. His opinion is the only one that matters. But there's one more aspect to inferiority. Real quick. Even if we push forward... There's still going to be people that beat us down. Let's look at what else Saul says to David. So Saul gives in. Verse 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor. Bronze helmet, coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things. And as you see there, Oh, yeah, hang on, we're going to pause right there. See, Saul didn't want David to fight as he was. He needed to look like a soldier. He needed to be a soldier. All right, you can't go like that, kid. Put on my stuff, even though I know you have no idea how to use it. See, here's the thing. See, I'm not saying 
I need to clarify. If we push forward in our relationship with God, I'm not saying that we don't learn from our mentors. I'm not saying don't listen to, the, to people that teach us or take advice from people. No, of course we should. The scriptures are very clear on that. What I'm saying is sometimes you're going to get people that, as you're going forward, that they're going to say, like, well, you shouldn't do it like that. This, this is the way it works. But the person's thinking, well, it works for me this way. So you got to do it this way. That makes sense. And they can make you feel bad. And they can beat you down because they're like, no, you're doing it the wrong way. When in reality, and sometimes we do things different ways a little bit. I mean, look, take me as a worship leader up here, okay? If, so, if new singers come on board and I'm criticizing them saying, why are you doing it that way? When in reality, like, but maybe we just worship a little differently. Does that make sense? So, so that's kind of what Saul was doing to David here. But the problem was, the king's armor and sword didn't work. David knew this wasn't the way. Look at the next sentence. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. And i got to read this sentence because I, I love this. This is one of my favorite scripture passages. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd bag. Then, armed with, with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistines. I once again would pay to see Saul's face, his officers, his sons, the entire army, as this kid is going out and they're like, who's that kid? What's, what's that kid going out there for? Oh yeah, he's fighting Goliath. What? <laughs> Honey, what do the Philistines eat? We, we're going to be, what are those education system? Like, we're going to be part of them tonight. Like, you know, they're like, they're thinking, yep, Philistine all the way, baby. I guess we got it. We got to convert. Um, yeah, once again, if they were pl- putting the odds in Vegas, yeah, they weren't betting on David. Maybe some trusted the Lord. I, I don't know these soldiers, but I'm willing to bet that it was like 99% of them didn't think they had a shot. They were like, we're done. Yeah, it's, we just might. They might have even sat on the grass, threw their foot, sword aside and said, oh boy. This teenager, no armor, no battle experience, shepherd, staff, and sling, walking off to fight Goliath, who was probably the most skilled warrior of his day. David didn't care. David didn't care about what they thought. He knew, he, I am sure, I am, David, I don't think, see, this is the thing, I don't think David was thinking about them. Because I'm sure he knew what they thought. He already knew what Saul thought. But he's walking, he's just got his sights on Goliath, but above Goliath, he's looking at God. He's looking at God. He's looking at God, he trusts the Lord. He's, lo- he's walking towards this giant in the middle of this valley, confident, because he knows who he is to God. He knows how God sees him. He knows that God is everything and Goliath is nothing. He knew it was the other way around. He did not let the words of the king discourage him. He did not let Saul's pressure to conform. Listen, inferiority is a real, real giant that he could have given into. But David knew. See, David knew who he was to the Lord. We trust in the Lord, which lead, which should lead to longing for the Lord. Sorry, it's kind of covered up there, but no, and then that leads to knowing who you are to God. It's important. You want to slay this giant? There it is right there. It's hard. That's not easy, guys. I'm going to be real. It's not easy. David had a calling, and so do you. Look, I don't know what God's individual plan for each one of you is, so, so don't ask me. I don't got all that insight, but I do know this. 
I do know that all of us in this room, our, our callings do overlap a little bit because each of us is called to surrender to Jesus Christ, trust in him for salvation alone. There's none other. We are all called as followers of Jesus to share the good news with a lost and dying world. We are all called to be a part of his body, which is the church, to do whatever part it is we play. It's, and I, it, I, I, don't, I, I hope, the, hope when I use the word part, it doesn't sound like just like a, some little thing we do. No, what I'm saying is God wants to use you. We all have, like a, the, Paul the Apostle used the body as an illustration. Like if I lost my right arm, that's a big disadvantage to my body. It's kind of like that. And when you come, listen, even if, even if your job, right, even if God's just called you to be a good listener, someone to comfort other people, that's a huge job. That's a huge, someone to, if someone, if something good happens in your life, someone to say, man, that's awesome, high five, I'm rejoicing right with you. That's building the church. We always think that the, like, well, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a teacher. There are so many other things we can do. Do I know what each of your part is? No, but you're never going to know if you don't come. Those things overlap. Listen, inferiority, like I said, is real. We're scared of what people say, or we're scared of what people are going to say and think. We're scared of the world. And, and oh, here's the other thing, too. And we're, I'm getting ready to close. Here's the other thing, too, that keeps Christians down. You come to church, right? And then you see Christians who have been there a while, and you're like, wow, they've got it all together. I'll never live up to them. Oh, I'll never live up to so-and-so. But the thing is, is that God doesn't want you to be so-and-so. He wants you to be you. And the truth is, is the Christians that you're comparing yourself to, they don't got it all. None of us have it all together. That's real. None of us have it all together. You just don't see it. And it's not that, the, that we're being fake here. It's just that, you know, it's no one's business for us to air all our dirty laundry out to everybody. You know what I mean? So, but the point is, is that we don't always have it all together. And then, oh, don't, I've got to mention this, our sin, because we all sin still. We let that beat us down. We let our sin beat us down. We let inferiority says, see? See that? You can't serve God. Look at what you just did. See, you're still struggling with that sin. You think God wants you now? You've been struggling for how long? Come on. But no, Jesus still wants you. Whoa, Jesus started that. Got to be careful there. <laughs> Whew. I don't want to come tonight with a broken leg, man. That'd be, that'd be a bad start to the fantasy season. But, um... I'm all right, honey, if you're listening in the back. Um, so, no, but, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. Like, listen, when you serve Jesus, see, there's a difference between you telling God, no, this isn't wrong, when he says, yes, it is, then you saying, yes, something is wrong, but there's, you're struggling. Like, you are getting on the horse every time. I repent, Lord, going forward. And then you, if something, you know, you're struggling, you mess up, but you're like, no, you know, if, listen, God will forgive you each and every time if you're repentant of it. Not if you're just simply, oh, I'm sorry, but you recognize, no, I'm wrong, and you're moving forward. That's the difference. If you're saying, if, if God is saying to you, this is wrong, and you're saying, well, no, it isn't, that's a problem. That's a problem. But there's a difference between you struggling with something that you, you acknowledge is clearly wrong that Jesus says, that's different, you know? But like I said, inferiority will tell you you're not worthy because of it. Don't believe it. Move forward. In closing, you pro I, I mean, 
I hope you guys don't. If, if, please tell me, though, if, and if you survive, of course, if you do fight a lion, a bear, and a nine-foot giant man, giant man, if you do end up fighting one of those and you live the telltale, please call me up. I'm interested to hear. But um, you won't probably face those things. But, but we're going to face different battles. And the solution is to know who you are to God Almighty. And we're never going to get there if we're not investing the time in him and with each other. Doing these, will gain, we will gain confidence and trust in our Lord and Savior. And that is how David defeated Goliath. We're gonna, we'll continue with this, these giants next week. I'd like the worship team to come on up. We're going we're gonna to sing to God. But the song that I chose today, we've sang it before. You can even put the first slide up, Mom. You can put the first slide up. Go ahead. It's called Jesus I Surrender. And it's just a song worshiping God, but saying, listen, Lord, here I am. This is here at your feet. I'll always be crying holy. Look at that. There's not one thing that means as much to me as you, my God, as you, my King. The chorus is Jesus I Surrender. I'm asking you this morning. I mean, if you're already following God, that's great. But maybe there's areas in our lives that we haven't surrendered to Jesus. Maybe there's areas in our lives where we, and maybe we haven't surrendered because of this giant inferiority. It starts with simple surrender and knowing whom you are to God. Guys, I'm telling you, God loves you so much. He gave up everything. Jesus rose from the dead so he could spend eternity with you. He loves you that much. Mm. But it's got to start. Um... As we sing this song, I just want you guys to be real with God. If you don't feel like singing the song, the next, I, would, I would like to either, either you sing the song, or, but if not, talk to God during the song and be real with Him about your heart, what's in your heart. You know, if you want to come down and just kneel before Him, you can do that. Or just kneel where you are. You don't have to come down here, but just, just, but just seek Him. It starts there. If you want to beat this giant, it's got to start with surrendering to him. And then slowly you gain that confidence. You see who you are to Jesus. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Listen, I haven't perfected it. But all as I know is that I'm, is I'm God's prized possession. And I'm not bragging, please. I'm not because I'm not worthy. It's because to- he told me. And it's the same for each of you. Because God is so good. I like to stand this morning. Like I said, if, I encourage you. If you want to... If you, if maybe you'd rather not sing, but talk to him. And if you want to just kneel before him, if you want to come up here or where you're at, just do that this morning as we sing this song. And we're going to praise his name this morning.